We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Okay, hi. Is everybody actually here now? I think we're all <laughs> actually caught up we've and reassembled. listening. We've Everybody's back. The, the group is reassembled. It's yes. like the Avengers. I don't know what it is. No, actually, the, the truth is <laughs> yes. iTunes is caught up. There's three or four feeds of you that, were, mm-hmm. that are all pulling off of the iTunes feed. I think this I think, is why some feeds weren't yes, populating yes. properly because they were looking at iTunes. That's where they were pointed. Which was not right yet. Uh, Radio Over, Public. Overcast and uh, a couple others, yeah, were, were that way. Yeah. So anyway, I think, I hope you're actually hearing this early Tuesday morning. So congratulations to all of us <laughs> that we actually have a podcast when it's supposed to come out. We Tuesdays and Fridays. Yay, Finally. we're on the other side, which is awesome. Thank you guys for, for honestly, for staying with us through this weird transition. We yeah. think we've done it without bombing your phone, which was the intention. That, that was the main thing, so, is yes. to not repopulate almost 400 episodes yes. and people's phones would... Like what is yeah, going exactly. on? Yeah, exactly. I don't guys. have that much data. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so there's uh, uh, episode 373. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a really cool topic Tuesday. We have a car debate coming up as well. So that's going to be awesome. And of course, many, many audience questions. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, guys, you have been very kind. The Cayman's episode has been released on Motor Trend and it is yep. soon going to Amazon Prime yes, Video, but soon. you guys yep. have been very kind in in telling us your thoughts and opinions on the episode. Really appreciate the feedback. Yeah, for sure. Thank for you sure. guys. It it's it's been a lot of fun and because, you know, we're actually causing people to go straight to their laptops and start searching. <laughs> well, how much we're, could I get that for? We're damaging marriages everywhere. No, that's not, that's actually hopefully not true. <laughs> that's Here's part the, of the title. Ho- hopefully your 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 significant other will actually love the Cayman once Yikes. you get it. But yeah, that's going to be a late night discussion for sure. Yes, and massive, massive thanks to our TV sponsors, Covercraft and Grios Garage. Covercraft is the headline sponsor, and of course, Grios is also one of our sponsors. And we actually have an episode from which we drove a couple of the cars from Grios Motors, yeah, so that is coming. They actually really, have a really car special. collection now, and they got us yeah. in a couple of them. And that actually is one where we got all our gear stolen. But we have an episode anyway that's coming. That one's actually yes. turned out really well, which is cool. By the way, you can use the code every day for ten percent off from both companies. Yes, for Across sure. Across the board. You're, and you're going to, honestly, you're going to want that product. Uh, at, right now, when everything is covered in salt and the Lotus is the mm. only clean thing anywhere near my garage, I'm actually thankful for Griots because I'm like, that looks halfway decent because it hasn't gone anywhere. Have you rolled your car lately? Do I you need, have flat I spots? I need to move it. I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, it's feather light. It doesn't get flat spots. No, seriously. I actually, I can't <laughs> get wondering. it down my drive, so it'd be good to well, do something. Yeah. You know, roll it you know, a foot back and a foot forward and be just, sure everything still you know, works. You know, reposition it, get some something. new flat spots going, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Totally change the flat spots. No, but but the, it actually looks really nice because the last thing that happened to it was it was cleaned with Griot's products and put in the garage. Right. Meanwhile, everything else is beyond filthy, and I'm desperate to actually make it clean again. Uh, but also the Covercraft products to cover you up from uh, Snowmageddon or even just the sunshine. I, I actually love the the sunshades and I and I am it's a longer story here, but I may end up with a second dog. So I'm even happier to have that dog <laughs> cover on the back seat. You're asking anyway, for it. I am asking for it. <laughs> All right. We are jumping to the topic Tuesday here, which is very interesting. Sent to us from Shane M. Really appreciate it. He wanted our rants. I mean, opinions on this particular article. <laughs> yeah, this is this is really like throwing a grenade in between the two of us and going, have fun. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay, so the article came out on Forbes online on January 29th, 2019 from an author named John Frazier. He is a contributor that writes mostly about mobility economy mm-hmm. and the business in blockchain. And he came out with this article entitled, How Do We Reclaim Our Communities 
from private automobiles. Yeah, yeah. Which are like fighting words for Todd yes, and I. Yes, it is. It is true. I mean, the, the, big, the big thrust of this, and, and I've actually had this conversation with people here in Salt Lake, and this is going to sound weird, but there's a section of Salt Lake City proper called the Avenues. It's up near the university. Mm, right. And these are all homes from about the 20s, the 1920s. Okay, and what's interesting about homes of that era, if you think about it, this is when homes were still built and they weren't built around the garage. Mm-hmm. Because True. the car wasn't ubiquitous enough. So right, it's right. a nice little interesting little piece of Americana, and the home looks very interesting. And then these, these are one of those homes that in the 40s or 50s, they put the little garage around back, like the separate structure around back that you had to drive around the back mm-hmm. to, and it was always exactly. a little narrower than it should be. Cause, yep. But yep. look at any modern home now. What What's out front, which I don't have a problem with, garage, which I'm fine <laughs> it with. It should be I, all I garage. I don't see the problem. We've yeah. had the discussion where it's like, I, you should pull up to my garage, and by the way, there's a living space in the corner. It's there's mostly a, warehouse. There's a hot plate and a cot in the back. It's, but look at my garage. Exactly. But, but I've actually talked to people in the Salt Lake area who have sought out those homes because they so dislike the architecture that is garage first. Mm-hmm. This is actually relates to John's commentary here in this, in this Forbes article because he's talking about how the car, which has been around, let's be honest, about 100 years in like – Ubiquitous. I mean, it's been around longer than that in right. existence. For, for sale as you can go buy yeah, a lots car. lots of people have cars. Right. It's been about 100 years. That has totally changed everything about car, any culture that has lots of cars, the U.S. being a prime one, as far as city structure, city planning, architecture, homes, neighborhoods, and his larger point is interaction. Mm-hmm. All right. So the setup here is two sides of this picture here. Mm-hmm. And John does a great job of setting both and actually interviewing and quoting some different authors and academics here in the article to set up, first of all, the car sabotaging our towns and cities, mm-hmm. as described by, he quotes, Professor Martin Melosi, destroying the physical integrity of our urban cores and therefore eroding our sense of community. So from one side, he's coming from (laughs) the the interaction, really. I mean, the interaction of Mm -hmm. everyone and the car destroying that fabric, that community fabric, the social fabric. Okay. And saying, all right, it's kind of torn into this from Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. you're describing for what you know, European towns. For sure, 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 yeah. Centuries. By the way, Europeans consider any building built after 1200 to be new. new con- that's new construction, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's new construction. Anything before that is considered old. And, you yes. know, we consider, wow, I live in a 100-year-old apartment building, and they laugh at us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we're going to tear that down next week to build one that was built this year. <laughs> exactly. That's the other thing that happens in the U.S. <laughs> we're going to build right to the lot line, yeah. too. It, it's 100 years old. we got to get rid of this old stuff. <laughs> exactly. we got to replace it, yeah. All right, so on the other side of this, he's saying cars can be seen as a positive force, Mm -hmm. you know, providing an option for, you know, in addition to public mass transit, I'll say, and living further away from cities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then bringing to everybody the ability to go on vacation, you know, go skiing, pull a trailer, decide, let's go for the weekend. Let's go to the next state over. Let's mm-hmm. drive to the next town for dinner. Let's, sure, you know, sure, get sure. out and, yeah. you know, your life being planned around the car. But then, of course, we're seeing communities and, you know, suburbia being planned and architecture. Mm-hmm. We totally. even talked to totally. uh, the CEO of Woodside Homes here in Utah about, yeah. you know, yeah, his yeah. take on the future of home architecture and how that relates to autonomous cars in the future. He's, yeah. he's got a very interesting take on that. But, he, he's got both of these sides going in his article, yeah, yeah. but the slant that I'm coming away with is ultimately what he's saying is the car is, has destroyed our sense of community and our engagement. That's kind of what I took away from it as well. That's, I mean, 
scanning I, through the article, that's kind of what I'm taking away. Oh, I, and I read the whole thing, and I, and I think mm-hmm. there's a real there, there's definitely a real demeanor of that. And I I agree with a couple of things he said, but I think the conclusion is flawed. Granted, I'm a car guy; I will admit that mm-hmm. bias. But here's the thing: we are more fractured than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. We do have less community than we've ever been. I don't think the car is at fault. And I want to unpack why. Mm -hmm. But first off, let me do a compare and contrast for you because living in Los Angeles as long as we did, I met a lot of people. You live in L.A. A lot of people in L.A. from New York. And I mean Manhattan, New York. Sure. Okay. So what's interesting is – and I actually went to New York a few times. My sister lived there while I was in L.A. She lived in Manhattan. Yeah, right. So I went there a few times not only to see her but also had work to do. One of the big discussions about New York versus L.A. is that in New York – you're walking the streets with thousands of people, maybe millions, depending on where you are. Sure. You're on the public transit with those same thousands. Right. You have a lot of opportunity where you are literally shoulder to shoulder with people you don't know. In L.A., okay. there's none of that. You need to go a block to buy your groceries. You get in your car. Mm-hmm. People do not walk anywhere in LA. Ironically, they will go outside and run for for athletic activity, <laughs> but they don't walk anywhere. No, that's okay. That's there's rock so, songs written to totally, this. totally. So, so the whole thing that happens every day, if if you if you were to zoom out and look at it from from a you know a space view, is the millions of people traveling mirror to mirror instead of shoulder to shoulder, if you will. Sure. You're, sure. It, everybody is in their own little pod traveling. You're not you're not interacting with anybody. And there was a big discussion that I'd gotten into with a few people from Manhattan where they just felt that L.A. was a lonelier city than New York because of this fact. Okay. Now, not that they talk to random people on the street, but it's that eye contact thing. And I'm doing the crosswalk, and I, and I see a person coming at me and that kind of thing. And they felt like L.A. was more isolating as a result. So they're inferring this based on just because, observation. Yeah. Be, and because in, in New York, you're actually seeing people. You're walking by people at eyesight to get a look at people. Mm-hmm. And then in the car, you don't have to. And there's the thing okay. about drivers in L.A., which drivers in L.A. are often awful. But the thing you have to disconnect yourself from is they're not proactively awful. True. Most of the time when people do something boneheaded in a car in L.A., it's because they literally don't know you're beside them in a car. <laughs> yeah, true. It's not I'm a jerk and I'm going to cut you off. It's literally I exist in a world by myself. Yeah, which is one of the freedoms and benefits that people have loved for 100 years mm-hmm. about the car. True. Well, I'll go you one further. Before the car, uh, go back you know, 100 years before the car. By and large, before we had modes of transportation like the car, I'll go to the train. The train began it, but the train, the car, and the plane, most people grew up, were born, grew up, and died, and never went more than 100 miles away from where they were born. Their lifetime. Mm, Sure. Ponder. Everybody's different, but ponder. What's the farthest you've been from your place of birth in your lifetime? And I bet almost everybody listening has exceeded 100 miles. Think about Fair. that contrast. Fair. And that's because of not, not only mass transit, but modern transit. The train began it, but the car does it like nothing else. There's a couple of subjects that I want to bring up here. I, this is um, <clears throat> getting me a little riled. Oh, I'm not done yet either. A little yeah, bit. Keep going. I, I know you're not done. Definitely. <laughs> wait, the, wait, hang on. It's like a three-hour podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're just getting started here. Well, the first of all is the quote that the author John here says from Richard Florida, who is a senior editor at The Atlantic, who is saying that these authors are not blaming the car for everything that's wrong in America. Oh, I agree. I yeah. mean, that, that's, that's a that big would, sweeping statement. That would be statement. much, I, much further of a reach. Yeah. 
but the they go on, Richard goes on to say, it's increasingly clear that in addition to wasted time and productivity, reduced quality of life, and even fatalities, I stopped reading at reduced quality of life. <laughs> because this is Wh- with why? what why? I take yeah. issue. Okay, all right. Quality all right. of life. Nothing in history has ever transformed the quality of life for anybody who has access to a car. I'm not talking owning a car, just mm. access to one that improves their quality of life. To go along with the notion of reducing or or changing the social interaction or the community, I think that's already been done by virtue of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of the social media interaction. That ship has sailed around the world a few times, Mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's gone. Imagine a community where no cars, and there are plenty of them on the planet that mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, totally. actually many cities worldwide, North America included, mm-hmm. that do not have cars. There's city centers, and there's areas of various yeah, cities. Sure, sure. There's a lot of them. Look them up, and it's actually a pretty extensive list. Mm-hmm. But I would suggest that you're still going to be in your social of you know your your circle of friends your social networks yeah. that's now proliferated by your phone everybody's still going to be looking at their phones you've hit on i think the biggest point every issue that he takes in this article i don't disagree that any of them are true about our current culture i think we are less connected i think as a result often people are more lonely they, mm-hmm. There isn't a sense of community, and it allows us to be much more he said, she said about everything. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I'm on my side, and you're all wrong. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the car is at fault. I think the smartphone is at fault. That's kind of where I'm going, and too. I and go, I go I, for two examples. Jump back 15 years. Mm-hmm. And in Manhattan, if you were on the subway, what's happening? Everybody's just standing there, and you're looking around the cab, and you're looking at everybody else, and everybody's doing the same little shake that you do on the subway because everybody's getting. I mean, you've all seen <laughs> the, if you the same head bobble it, on an airplane. If you haven't done it. You've seen it in the movies. Okay, <laughs> right. everybody's doing right. that. Meanwhile, I'll give you the similar example from Los Angeles. Yeah, standing in line for a movie in L.A. Okay. You're looking around at all the people buying popcorn and person in front of me. Very often, I remember getting into conversations with a person in front of me or behind me in line. Totally, I don't know them. I will never see them again. Right, and we're having a conversation. Right. Neither of those things happen now. If you're on a subway in New York, everyone is staring at their device. Yeah. If you're on a movie line or a grocery line or any line, what are you doing? You are staring at your phone. We are not being fractured and isolated by our cars. I'm not saying the car isn't possible to do that. But I think the larger issues he's having here, we don't need to disconnect ourselves from the car. We need to disconnect ourselves from the phone. And to that I say, I'm sorry, but good luck. I agree. I'm with you. All right. So I actually made a list of oh seriously of businesses that wouldn't exist if we didn't have cars. Oh, and this okay. also right. ties into quality of life. I'll give you an example. Walmart. I think what the author is inferring that we need to live and work in the same community and scoot to work or rollerblade or bike or whatever that is or walk sure. to work kind of nearby in the same community. Bird scooters are going to save us all, man. They're they going to are, save us all. man. Because mm-hmm. the author even goes as far as to say, you might strike up a conversation helping somebody unlock a bird scooter. No, you won't. No. <laughs> they're going to call tech support. <laughs> exactly. They're going to chat with the bot on tech support. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to call anybody. They're going to... They're going to talk to you like, what, are you trying to steal my bird from me? They're going to do that thing that we all do when an app doesn't work. We tap the phone harder, (laughs) and then we go to another one. All right. So here we go. Walmart, (laughs) Costco, Sam's Club, REI, In-N-Out, car washes, drive-through anything, towing companies, 
parking structures and airport parking. None of these businesses True. would exist and employ True. people without cars. And I, I will have to say as a counterpoint, the, the, somebody did a, a graph at some point. I don't have it in front of me. All these things we should probably try to find and link. But somebody did a graph at one point talking about how much surface area of different major cities, L.A. was a huge one, are covered by asphalt to park a car. Sure. And I sure. will say this is a place, honestly, where I do put fault at the car. Okay. Because okay. Uh, look at – look, I, I keep doing Manhattan, L.A. because they're easy references. Look at Central Park. Hmm. Sure. Okay? Sure. Central Park, I hate to say it, would make a fantastic parking structure. You could put a lot of cars in there. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Let's just but thank, pave Central but Park. Thank God, Hashtag honestly, pave but Central thank Park. God it doesn't. Thank God it isn't. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So, there, agreed. Is, there is something very soothing about Central Park and also magical, because, and I've done it personally. You've seen it in movies. When you're standing in Central Park and you see those skyscrapers in the distance, there's something crazy cool about that. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. takes city planning that says the car can't come here. And, and, mm-hmm. and holding the line on that, that, you know there was a place at some point in the history of New York where that discussion happened and they mm-hmm. held the line. You know there was. So uh, you take a place like L.A. and you think about how much better could we use space or have open space if we didn't have to have all these parking structures. I do agree with that, but please leave me my car because it's not the reason I'm not talking to my neighbor. Okay. What I do like is that architecture and city architects and city planners have gone so far. An example here is the High Line in New York City, okay. which is an elevated linear park. It's essentially built on where freeways and railway lines used to exist, and they turned it into an elevated park. Instead of tearing mm-hmm. that concrete structure down, mm, sure, yeah, yeah. it's now a respite. You can go up there, and yeah. you're, you've got a view, and it's... Yeah. Some kind of fresh air a little bit. And got places <laughs> it's fresher than standing and, behind the bus below you, yeah. I mean, I understand about wanting to live and work. And the author also says we have two communities, one where we live, one where we work. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But the car has enabled prosperity for so many people worldwide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what would happen if you broke your arm? You needed to get to the hospital. Are you going to ride the subway? Or are you going to call an Uber and Lyft? No, you're going to get in your car. You're going to have somebody take you. What do you do when you take your nine-month pregnant wife to the hospital? <laughs> Honey, we got to get on the subway. We're gonna I need to get the there right train. now. You We're don't understand. Train. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, what about Texas, who builds headquarters? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. That, that right there is a podcast title. What about Texas? What, what about it? That could go many, many places. I see tip-up concrete wall construction. Companies build their giant headquarters mm-hmm. way outside the city centers. And this is where people go to work. How about office parks? Yeah, for sure. And there, you don't live anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. And so the car has enabled you. Guess what? You got a job change. You got a new job. You don't have to move. Yes. That's great Excellent news. Point. Excellent point. Yep. You can drive your car to work. And okay, your commute's now 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. We can stay where we're at. Yeah, true. The kids true, true. get to stay in school where they're yes. at. Yes. Excellent point. Wow. We have a car. I'm floored by this thought, actually. <laughs> I mean, not everybody can afford the Whole Foods delivery, the Blue Apron kind of food delivery. That's really expensive food. It's Sure, it's delicious. I've never tried it. But why don't we just get in our cars and go to the grocery store and buy food? And You understand the examples. Totally. And I think the biggest thing that I really took from this is I feel like in mass, many people are crying out against the fact that we aren't friends with strangers anymore. Mm-hmm. We aren't even nice to strangers anymore because we don't interact with them. Mm-hmm. I do think this is a problem. I don't think the car is responsible. I agree. I agree. do. And I say this as a person addicted that needs to work on it. I do think it's the smartphone. 
And I think yeah. I think we need to get our heads up out of the smartphone, not just when we're driving. I feel like I'm preaching here, and I don't mean to, but but this is the thing. We're all I have I have not stood in a line. My son is nine years old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has never been bored standing in a line. All of you adults <laughs> listening, okay. All of you adults listening have stood in a line in your lifetime and been bored while standing in line. True. I have a son who has never been bored standing in line because when he gets bored standing in line, he says, I'm bored, and one of us hands him a phone. And I am True. not alone in this. True. I am not saying this is fantastic parenting, but because what do you, want? you don't want to have a whiny child in line, but yet when we were kids, what do your parents say? What are you going to do? We're just going to stand here in line. There's nothing else to do. Or you turn behind you or in front of you and you strike up a conversation. Theoretically, yes. Instead of the author saying, disintegrated communities are the fault of the invention of the car. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would happen if we couldn't get out and drive and go plan vacations and let's get away for the weekend and let's just go? Okay. You take your car. Okay. Mm, yeah, sure. What if instead of blaming the car, we started at airports? What mm. happens at airports? Everybody's on their phone looking down at their phone. Oh, yeah. And what greater opportunity do we as human beings have to meet people f- that we would never otherwise run into. Mm-hmm. And we're all on, we're on the same flight. We have a common shared experience. Let's start there. We're on the same flight and we're I traveling. Feel like what are that you traveling used for? used to happen much more than it does now. And that's also the result. Why of don't we start with airports? Yeah, because fair. that is the greatest concentration of people coming and going and the greatest number of stories and cool people to meet. And you never know what kind of connection will happen. Start at your gate. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking at your phone, you strike up a conversation. You're going to freak that person out. <laughs> I was going to say they're, that's, that's they're the going key, to be shocked and horrified. The they might move. Thing. Actually, that is the key thing. If you put your phone down to talk to the person next to you, you'd be like, "I'm looking at my phone, man." <laughs> it's like, "What are you talking to me why for? Why are you talking? Why to on me? earth?" The goal of luxury is two things: space and time. Yep. We want to get yep. time back mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. traveling privately, or you know, somehow saving time, and we want to spend money on space. Yeah. Either a small cubicle where we don't have to talk to anybody or we buy bigger and bigger houses and on bigger and bigger land to get away from people. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of yeah. what if we thought differently instead of pointing it at the car because the car is and will continue to be one of the great equalizers I think of of humanity. Yeah, I can see it. Sweeping statement, it. but Well, but you know what? I, you they, know what? It I is will, so important. I will give I will give a defense to your statement right now. A cars and coffee is a fascinating thing that is hard to happen elsewhere. Here we go. A bunch of people in a range of cars, a range of socioeconomic backgrounds, all gather around an item. Hmm. And you have a conversation with a person you have no business talking to because they don't live anywhere near you. You've never seen them otherwise because you're standing around a car. A car does that. I'm not saying there aren't other things to do. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying a car Mm. is still possible to do that because of this car enthusiast community. However, I do have to take one huge pot shot at our entire argument here okay? real quick because one of you is saying it. Maybe a lot of you are saying it. I am not immune to the irony of the fact that you are listening to this on your smartphone. (laughs) It's not lost on me. It's not lost on me. Excellent point. I know. Hey. We're thankful for the smartphone as well. I'm just saying, talk to somebody. Go to, you know, I'm going to say this. I like the airport idea. By the way, the airport is the best place in the world for people watching. Oh, it's if you want fantastic. people watch, just, just sit back. Oh, Go to something to eat and just look at the people walking by. Oh, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It really However, is. having said that, I also appreciate that you guys are listening and engaging with us. We're not creating a solve here. We're not claiming that we have a solve. This is what Topic Tuesdays are about, is just kind of drifting around and going, what do we think? Exactly. And I love that. And the best part is we can take pot shots at ourselves. If we can't oh, yes. admit to being wrong, mm-hmm. 
then all is lost, right? <laughs> and we'll be wrong. This is the, the reality Just of not being perfect. Yeah, prepare to be wrong. We're wrong a lot. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I agree. I love that people are formulating ideas and adding onto the list of you know businesses that wouldn't exist. This does not exist on the internet, by the way. A business that doesn't exist without the existence of cars. Lists okay. like this have to be generated. They have to be thought up. <laughs> Just think, if you couldn't go to Costco and load your car full of nine months of stuff that you that might rot that you before might you get to yeah, it. You might use it, yeah. And you can take it home. We, we talked to the CEO of Woodside Homes, and he told us... This is kind of interesting, yeah. ...that houses are now being designed and constructed with Costco closets. Yeah, in some cases, in some parts of the country, yeah. Holy moly. He was talking about how houses are being designed differently for different parts of the country, and that may seem obvious, okay? Mm -hmm. But one of the examples that he used, I think it was Michigan, but I could be wrong. One of the examples okay. he used was either Michigan or Wisconsin, where they were going to build a community, and the person that was helping them kind of in the area said all these need to have three-car garages, and he looked at like who the target market was for the people kind of buying those kind of right. things. He was like, that whole target market doesn't own more than two cars. And they said, no, 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 you misunderstand. They're all going to have a boat. Ah. That third slot is going to be for the boat, and that boat has to survive the winter. All of this community has to have three-car garages, and it's not going to be for cars. And he was mind-blown because he'd never lived in that part of the country. He was like, right. boats, of course. But uh -huh. his counterpoint, though, back not everybody to— everybody has a dock and lives on a lake or isn't it crazy? But what? But, but back to his other discussion, which is if, when, we move to autonomous pods— Back to that 1920s house I started with. It's all full circle. <laughs> you don't have to build a house around a garage anymore. I'll be sad, but okay. You don't have to build a house around a garage anymore because you can now have a central pickup hub. And all the houses don't have to have garages. It almost looks more like condo construction. And you have little pathways and walkways to get to the central hub where you pick up your Uber or Lyft or whatever. Right. If that right. happens now, are there car communities like there are currently plane communities? You know, you have the, the, the little community that is oh, connected yes. to, the, to the runway. The, the fly-in community, the private. Do you have this for the yes. – is this now a bunch of people that built a home on the side of a windy road? I'm, I'm all for that, by the way. <laughs> the new Stelvio Pass, pass community. <laughs> Brilliant. No cul-de-sacs. <laughs> well, maybe however, just a few for burnouts. However, look left and right when you leave your driveway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just, you know, if there truly aren't car communities or cars, generally speaking, I want to see you get to the airport with your luggage on a bird scooter. <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. That's a sprawl of person in the sidewalk is what that is. Everything has wheels, apparently. All right. So uh, I'm sure we could go on, but we'll stop there for now. I, I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, and I, I, I like the idea of more interaction. But honestly, I think the car does more for humanity than less. I think the the pros column is longer than the the cons. Well, that's why we do this show. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this show. Exactly. And most of you listening agree with us, but I'm sure we'll get letters anyway. And I love that. I think it's great. This is a discussion of these <laughs> things for sure. Guys, we're going to take a short break and then we're coming back. We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. Luke is writing to us. I'm not sure from where. Luke, you failed to mention that, but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. He is writing for a cool dad car, but the caveat here and the difference between this and one just a few weeks ago mm -hmm. when we wrote also about some cool dad cars yeah. is he is not yet a dad. 
True. So this is a what is a cool dad car before becoming a dad? Yeah, actually, it kind of, he wants to get it now, and then later in the year when he expects to be a father, congratulations. Uh, then it it can stick around is kind of the hope. And there are four cars in the family right now. Four cars, two drivers. So there's cars. This is a, these are car people we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, he's got a 2017. Dodge Charger SRT 392, which is his wife's year-round car. And she loves it. Driven on Blizzax in the winter. Oh, yeah. there it is. Minnesota winners. There's where you're somewhere in Minnesota. Hey, so, I was okay. born in Edina. <laughs> I've got a connection. That's my right, connection perfect. right there. But Blizzax on a Dodge Charger. I actually like that discussion. That's perfect. All right. Also an 07 Toyota 4Runner V8. This is their beater car for road conditions. Hauling the dog. I don't think they own two dogs yet. They have a dog. Yeah, bikes, camping, all the stuff that is super dirty. Has about 150,000 miles. No reason for it to go anywhere, really. I mean, it could stick around because it's just an 07 with a lot of miles, but it runs, and it's the the throw-around car, which is perfect. Mm -hmm. Also an 04 Nissan 350Z, which is the track toy. Mm -hmm. Four to five track days per year that Luke loves. He's obsessed over it when it was new, actually. Yeah. He said, this is the one that brings a smile to his face every time he walks into the garage. Only 33,000 miles, currently in cold storage, hopefully on some you know tire cradles or something to prevent the flat spots. <laughs> the tire cradles. Prevent the flat spots on your Pilot Sports. sponsored by a, a tire cradle company. <laughs> I don't know what that's called. But bring anyway, it. Yeah, I know. Well, tire cradle. I bring it. Okay. All right. Hello, uh, if you're listening. We just, we just, somebody needs to come up with some ridiculous name for that. But anyway, We have needs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we have needs. Seriously. <laughs> the garage floor is cold. It's cold All for right. the tires. So, oh, so you want warming tire I cradles now? I want warm tire cradles. For your PS4s that can't go below 40 degrees? Premium temperature. terrible. And then, you know, come springtime, everything's good. It's like, and they malfunction, and you wind up with rubber all over the floor. I don't know why. My tire's melted. <laughs> no. Anyway. All right. Last car is a 74 Dodge Dart 360 Sport. Okay. Beautifully restored to period-correct late 70s street machine status, he said. 408 Stroker small block Mopar engine. He said, it's a car I love. I feel this car. He feels yeah. experience and the irresponsibility yes. of it. Yes. <laughs> It's cool. It's, it's a car from a bygone era. Makes him feel like, yeah, no, nothing matters anymore. It's all good. I can do whatever. Guessing, do you, well, yeah, you can't put leaded gas in that thing, obviously. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Got to keep it running. All so right. he's planning to replace one, maybe two of these vehicles, and he's actually given us ones that are options. Now, we should go back and say that that Charger is a lease vehicle, so it's not like he can just unload that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's mm-hmm. realizing that his wife likes it enough that when the lease is over in about a year, he's probably buying this car. Because she loves it. So it's probably not going to go anywhere either. So he's willing to get rid of a couple of cars and and go get something, maybe something, two somethings, maybe one something. Mm. But the options to get rid of are either the Dart and the Forerunner or maybe the 350Z and the Dart. Okay. But these are our three cars to play with. So the Charger obviously stays. We can play with the other three. After all this is said and done, obviously with cars he's selling and that kind of thing, he believes he'll end up with around sixty grand to play with. But this will be the daily car. That is healthy, by it the is. way. That it, is lovely, be, healthy, wonderful it'll, budget. It'll be the daily car. Yeah. Now, obviously, he could still drive one of the other ones if it worked. But, like, for example, I recommend that you keep that 4Runner since it runs and it, it I do to too. be a, just a beat-around car. Yeah. And, by the way, when is Toyota ever going to stuff a V8 into the 4Runner ever again from Fair. here until eternity? Yeah. That's not going to happen. Keep the V8 4Runner. Yeah, and, you know, it's a car that you, don't, that you have no precious feelings about and yet mm-hmm. like and runs. So yeah. you keep that. But that means if the Dart and the 350Z go, which is where I'm leaning, you probably have about sixty grand when you're done. Now we could do theoretically two cars, I guess, again, or we can get one that can be the daily, 
that can do dad duty, which means back seats, mm-hmm. and also do track duty. This mm-hmm. is where we are. I'm thinking of a couple of cars, but you've actually have called out BMW, Audi as the cars you would prefer to stay away from because their complexity is a turnoff. Mm-hmm. And I can see that being a Dodge Dart owner. You know, it's not a 1974 Dodge Dart. No, this is not. It's a also not a 350Z car. either. Well, true, true. All right, I'm. He's saying he's open to being convinced that he's wrong. <laughs> okay, prepare yourself Uh-oh. for being convinced. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. All right, so a while back, podcast back actually, we talked about the M3 as one of the cars that could fit three car seats wide in the back seat. If you buy the right car seats, for sure, absolutely, yeah. Obviously, yeah. have to be the right seats, but sure. I. I and he's not expecting triplets, but he could do it. Well, just in case. I mean, you never know. <laughs> you don't know. What it's, if? Yeah. Who knows? You don't need a Suburban. You Somewhere your wife is going, dear God, please not triplets. Anyway, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure they all are. I'm, I'm looking at this car because of the competition pack, which is the car that should have been built by BMW from yeah, the I factory. That. They don't that. need yeah. you know, a couple of Band-Aids that say competition pack on them. But they're really nice red and blue stripes. They and red, are. Purple stripes on the, on the seat belts. They are key. embroidered and stitched. That was key. Yes, yes. Important. They make you pay more for that, by the way. Oh, yes, they do. That doesn't come free. I'm looking at th- this car alongside the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio. Oof. 60 grand can easily get yeah, you a you slightly can. used one. Yeah, you can get one. And it's, it's You awesome. have to go new. If you wanted new, because you did say you want this car for the next three years at least. Okay. If you yeah. went new, well, they're 80 grand new. That's the problem. Yeah. So if we're 60, find a slightly one. Say something that came off a year-old lease. Mm-hmm. You've got, oh, well, paddle shifters that are screwed to the column. You like that and I don't, but I, that's a thing. I guess I like both. I, I'm coming. I'm liking both actually, depending on the car. But yeah. I, I do enjoy that on this. You end car. up with moose antlers on the on the quadrifoglio, and I would still take one right now. Yeah, these are cool cars, and anybody that sees you would they they would flip out. That's your dad car. That's pretty cool. Track this car. You can mm-hmm. autocross or big track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at 60, I would think you can find one pretty low miles, still under warranty, mm-hmm. cool gobs of style, and you're staying in the FCA family, as a matter of fact. All right. Sure. If that matters. Sure, sure. It probably yeah. does It might matter. not matter, but yeah. I like this car for you, but I'm, I'm actually looking at the M3 competition. Are and okay. complexity, All I think, right. is a relative thing because any mm-hmm. new car, any new car is going towards complexity with – the consolidation, I will say, in the manufacturing, mm-hmm. we want components to do more and cost less. And so those components, you can't change out a particular thing. You've got to replace mm-hmm. the entire you know, ECU or the, the entire sure. y- unit itself. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, HVAC yeah. unit goes, well, tear out the dash, got to replace the entire thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I'd say from that standpoint, complexity is relative. Yeah. Well, you're also right. What we have now is a tendency where we used to be – you would tear that that part down to find the little piece that went wrong and place a little piece. Now it's much more common that that entire part just gets replaced. Exactly. There's no tearing it, tearing the part in. Nobody knows how to do that. No tech can do that. We'll just give you a new fill-in-the-blank. Right, right. Well, uh, Luke, if you haven't seen, we actually reviewed for Season 2, I believe it mm-hmm. was, yep. the M3 competition against the Quadfolio. Yep. And came away with some interesting conclusions. I just remember beating on the Alpha and loving that mm-hmm. car on a canyon road. It just responded. Yep. It was brilliant. But I love so many things about the BMW 2. I see it. I see it. And for 60K, that's a healthy budget. Mm -hmm. That's right where these cars are slightly used right now. I see it. I see it. I like it. Uh, You went there, which I like a lot. I like both those cars. I'm going to go somewhere where somebody's already not surprised. 
not surprised and and kind of shocked it's taken me this long to say it, but come on, man, <laughs> Chevy SS. <laughs> Yeah. Spend 40, 45 of your budget. Get yeah. a nice Chevy SS. Now you have money left over to decide what to do with, which leads me to my second thought. Back which tires. Is, are, well, yes. Are you wanting to get more than one car? Are you, if it's just one car, look, the, I like the big four-door sedan. I like the quadrifolio. All, all the things you mentioned are great. Uh, the SS would leave you with 15 to 20 grand of leftover money, which is What's what's that? What's leftover money? Uh, but there's that. Extra money. You know money? what you could do? You could go if – you, if you're interested in tracking – Go the traditional route and get yourself a Miata or an 86 chassis and make that your track and windy road car. Could, could. But you've still got a genuinely fun dad car. But if you wanted to stay yeah. dad car, okay, just do that. Just do the SS and you'd be very happy. Get it, get it with the manual and the magnetic ride and it's going to be 45 on the high side. And you got money left over to walk with. Mm-hmm. But again, 15 in your pocket, that is a Miata or an 86. I'm just saying. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> It is. I I can see that. I mean, that would open up a lot of financial options, we'll say. For sure, for sure. And, you know, going towards Cadillac, I wouldn't – you got a lot of your life left to go towards Cadillac, I'd say. Mm, to, okay. you know, grab so you're staying away from the Vs? I think so at this point. As much as I like them, mm-hmm. I, I think that you're going to find you've got some other expenses that come into play right now. I mean, kids. Yeah, for sure. This you know? <laughs> kids and plastic things that are plastic things that get. get I mean, wrecked. I, yeah. I, I'm considering. I'm kind of on the edge. The mm-hmm. V series, you could. They're right. Yeah, they're right. Still in that sweet spot. I think they would really provide solid competition against that M3 and the Alpha. Yeah, but um, I think you'd get more enjoyment out of either one of those. Kind of depends on what you get, but I don't know. The, the V is still kind of rattling around in my mind. I can see I'm, it. I'm trying to justify it. It's rattling around. Yes. Well, and we get to justification uh, situation here, and, and I have to say to you, Luke, um, this is where my wild cards come in. Mm. Because I think you got rid of the 350Z, which was kind of your track car. You got rid of your Dart, which is kind of your nostalgia car. But you kept the 4Runner, which means <laughs> okay. why not get a two-seater? Honestly, why not get another two-seater? If you, if you have a day, you know the 4Runner's there. If you have a day, you have to pick up the kid. Then you have the forerunner. Okay. You could still embrace a two a two seater, and you and you really could shop two seaters because there's nothing that says you have a comment here in your email where you say you want to make sure that you can keep a semblance of your pre child life, mm. which I think is important. It, it's very easy for parents. It's not uncommon. It's very easy for parents to get lost in the fact that they're now parents. They're I've got friends. They are unrecognizable as parents for what they were before they were parents. Hmm. Uh, you can argue the pros and cons of that. My wife and I have tried very hard. We were married a good long while before we had, had our son. But we tried very hard to be the same people added small person versus – I mean, because I literally – I have yeah. friends that I – it's hard for me to be friends with them anymore because they are such a different couple now that they're parents. Hmm. So you're trying to maintain some of that, Luke, hmm. which says to me, look, you've had fun cars, cars that, that existed just to be fun. What's wrong with that continuing? Your wife loves her daily car. Great. And it's a big family sedan. You have the four-door. It four is four-door. That's a good it point. It solves that. Yeah. Why not get a two-seat car? And I'm just going to list. They may feel like usual suspects, but worthwhile two-seat cars that you could just be like, that is my fun car that I enjoy. C7 Corvette. Ooh. Used Cayman. Mm. Jaguar F-Type. All lovely. All available for under 60. The Jag then, is so compelling. And then if you if you do want to say it has to have back seats and it needs to be my only car, I have to go there. It's the school bus bus joke, but it works. The nine eleven. Get a nine nine seven nine eleven. Easy for sixty. 
and and you have a back seat. Look, I, I, right around the time we shot our 50 Years of 9-11 film, mm-hmm. I was doing a specific school run at the time that's changed a little bit. Yeah. Multiple times a week, I wound up behind a guy in a Carrera 4S with two kids in the back seat doing the school run. No kidding. Middle of the winter, covered in Brilliant. salt. Carrera 4S 997, which is the 2005 to 2012 range. Right, right. Okay. I will say when they went to the 991s of the 2013 and up, it got significantly bigger and the back seats got more usable. But here he was with two elementary school kids in the back seat of his 911. This is the place the 911 is almost in a class by itself as far as being a world-class car you can track, drive, road trip, go out for a nice meal. And by the way, I took the kids to school this morning. Sure. So I have to say, it's in wild sure. card category because I think you're looking a little more traditional. But why not? Uh, yeah. If you're going two-door and you're willing to consider it, I mean, of course, I love the Caymans, but... Yes. Whoa. Yes. Jag. But you have, you have cars that can do all of the kid stuff anytime you need to. So why not have an alternative? And I've reduced your garage from four to three. <laughs> I saw a 991, early 991 base Carrera. Okay, yeah. Cruising today. I mean, it is sloppy. You know how they, they put the salt down, that magnesium chloride stuff, and it, it melts the first layer, and then everything else on top of that is snow. But there's, it just kind yeah, of yeah. gets sloppy on the roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy going skiing, base Carrera, 991. Love it. Skis, Love ski it. rack, cruising around in the thick Perfect. of you know SUVs and hulking 4x4s. Yes, more of that. He was just... More of that cruising around in the slop and the gunk and I was like ah oh, that's awesome well you've seen that guy over here locally that I, I posted on Instagram that's driving a Ferrari FF to the ski run yeah and I don't understand by the way I, somehow between in his the gunk house and the slop somehow between his house and the ski parking lot he drives through a car wash I don't know where but that thing's always <laughs> spotless in the lot well FF you must have a pristine FF but no but if you're gonna it, rock that in the ski parking lot I agree but get it a car somehow, washed does it somehow repel dirt because I can't get through <laughs> the parking lot without getting splashed with mud and he's sitting they're pristine. The wheels are pristine. Hmm. What did, did, did Maybe it get he choppered in? Person. I've seen it get driven in, so I know it drives. I just don't understand how it stays clean. Maybe gives it a quick detail before he. I have no puts idea, but he's my new hero. <laughs> well, thank you so much for writing in. Hey guys, if you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or the contact button under the about tab mm-hmm. on everydaydriver.com. You can contact us there for your debate. Topic Tuesdays, stuff that's on your mind. We love hearing from you guys. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if you're shopping anytime in the next few months, definitely write to us with your own debate. For sure. For sure. We have many, many questions and I want to start right here. I don't know if you saw this one. This one's a, a bit of a throwdown. Mm. Delvante Peterson on Facebook. Oh. Can you guys elaborate on why you dislike Nissan so much? Then he says, true, true, the CVTs are terrible, but what are some good things about the brand? I have answers. Okay. This is a good I, challenge. I have answers this as well. This is a good challenge. The, the biggest thing is Nissan. And look, Toyota's in the same boat, but Toyota is, is, I feel like, correcting a bit. But Nissan is a brand. If you look at Nissan in the 90s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nissan is a brand like Honda, like Toyota, all this, where they used to make – a litany of cars that were rear-wheel drive, good transmission in lots of ranges of vehicles. I mean, guys with old Pathfinders and all kinds of stuff that were just interesting drive, interesting looking, and they were they were like cars for people that love cars. Yeah, yeah, okay. Whether you bought the Pathfinder or you bought the Z car. Yeah. Oh, you can buy a 240. All this kind of stuff was in there. 
Now they are, and I understand why. I look, I get market sources and vo- uh, volume. I get it. I understand why it's happened from a product planning standpoint. But now, by and large, the exceptions being the Z car, which we can all acknowledge is way too old, and the GTR, which is also old. It's not as old as a Z car, but it's still surprisingly old without a refresh. At least ten years at yes. this point. Other than that, everything they make is a transportation appliance that is looking for volume sales. And as a result of that, they've gone with CVTs, which, yes, gas mileage. I get it. But not engaging. Mm-hmm. Okay? And with, there's been a big discussion about us and CVTs as a result of that Subaru piece. Yeah, but ultimately, this is the conclusion. Yes, they work. They're ubiquitous. They're great for gas mileage. They are not. I'm sorry. You cannot argue the CVT is a super engaging transmission. Its point is to not engage with you. That's when it's at its best. So anyway, so they've gone all CVT and they've chased chased volume. I will say the upside of that is the Altima has become a world-class competitive car in its segment to the point that I think it has now negated the Maxima. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not saying you seek out an Altima because it's the best enthusiast drive ever, but it does exactly what it should, and it has eclipsed the Maxima and competes head-to-head with the Camry and the Accord and sometimes can be cheaper. Great gas mileage. Everyone I know has had one has just run. Reliable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does great. I also have to give Nissan kudos for making the Juke. I'm not saying it's great. Okay. But I am amazed that that styling came out and that had a rabid group of fans that bought it as fast as they could make them and really liked that car. Yeah. And yeah. it was genuinely, I remember when I first drove one at one of our, the Motor Press Guild press events. Drove it on the track and on the street, and I was surprised that it was more, much more fun to drive than I expected because I got in it going, this is going to be terrible, which I admit is a low bar. But I got in it and just thought, you know what? If you're just getting a little runabout, why not? Hmm. Why not? I remember I actually drove it with a stick shift, and it was surprisingly good because it had a stick shift. Okay? So I, I'm impressed that they even released the Juke. Then they did the weird GTR Juke, but that was a kind of, that kind was of a one-off. One. Yes. But they released the Juke. They, and the Ultima does very well. I see what they're chasing. It's just they're not chasing the stuff I want them to do, which is, hey, Z car, hey, GTR. But the fact they even released the GTR while the rest of their products were so bland is also quite surprising. Hmm. Delvante, as Todd said, he's mentioned Nissan's history. Nissan has a huge, deep racing history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I come to a couple of things. First off is... The Maxima, when it was introduced, they had a field day calling it the four-door sports car. Yes. To the point where they actually came up with an acronym on a sticker on the back window, 40SC. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, what is this? What is this feature yeah. of this cool car? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. four-door sports car. Well, what bones has this car? Right? Yeah, what, yeah, what's yeah, underneath yeah. here? Mm-hmm. And they could have taken that and run with it in a direction that is a car that we just recommended for Luke. You're absolutely right. They could yep. have taken that Maxima could be a contender in the right. M3 competition and the Quadrifoglio. That's great. That's a good point. Pantheon mm-hmm. of brilliant, fun four-door cars. Mm-hmm. You're right. But no, it didn't go in that direction. As the last, I'll say in the last decade, Nissan has wandered towards bulk sales and They've done quite well. The Altima has filled that gap. Absolutely, absolutely. But they've gotten their teeth kicked in by Honda and Toyota. They thought, wow, we can grow and expand and 
make more cars doing mm-hmm. what Honda and Toyota are. They're kind of ignoring the sports car market. So they've had, they've got Datsun in their quiver, of course, the Renault partnership, and yeah, by virtue of yeah, that, yeah. the Mitsubishi partnership now. True, true, true. So they've got all these brilliant cars still kind of lurking. They could resurrect some nameplates. The, the 510, they actually came up with some concept cars a couple of years sure. ago that looked brilliant and fun. Well, there was that rumor that Datsun was going to become the enthusiast spinoff of yeah. Nissan, which would be, I welcome, that'd be it cool. It still can. Very cool, yes. It still has a lot of runway. And Nissan trying so many things to become... Yet another alt, I guess. You know, you've got just another choice. And then I come to Nissan and I think, well, what is compelling about this brand? What makes it truly a Nissan flavor? And I can't answer that question. Hmm. And I think, okay, well, why why would I choose the Nissan flavor of ice cream over the Toyota flavor or the Honda flavor? I know what, you know, Honda's yeah, just run. Can't define it. Yeah. Toyota's just, you know, last forever. Yeah. And well, what's what's Nissan? What what are they what are they? And I think Nissan has struggled with that. And that Mm. brings me to my second point is they have struggled with styling. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a defining... I mean, there are a few things that define the Nissan look, but they've gotten real fussy about things. I think, stop dealing with the little pinched edges of the taillights and the headlights and stop it. Mm. Interesting, okay. Stop looking at everybody else. Come up with your own direction and Mm. what is your ethos and what do you... You know, we've gone to the car sharing and the modular and the global partnerships and all this stuff. And it's distilled the brand down and the goodness that they have so far is to become unrecognizable, Hmm. but they have a chance. They've got Datsun. Yeah. They've got two brilliant world-class sports cars that could be resurrected on their next generation. The next iteration of these cars. Yes. Brilliant. Nissan's back. It lands with a bomb and everybody Mm -hmm. is amazed and goes, Oh my gosh, Nissan's the best Mm -hmm. thing ever. What if the new Z slotted into the spot that's about to be vacant because the Corvette's going up market. Mm. They have a huge opportunity there. $60,000 car. Look, do I want it to be 30? Yes. But what if it was 60? What if it was right against the Supra? Mm-hmm. And, and if 60? it felt like you're getting your money's worth at 60? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. There's one. Bandit89 on Instagram asks, when self-driving cars are a normal everyday event, will this change the rules of drinking while riding in a vehicle? <laughs> At this point, I say no, because what if you have to take over? Yeah, they've got to be fully uh We're talking five fully, autonomous. fully, fully. Yeah, yeah it's got to be a pod. And I don't think we're quite there. I'm, I mean... We're not there. We're there in terms of tech. Does it work? Yes, it works. Rolled out to the general public and ubiquitous, and it works with your app on your phone? Not there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will say for for right now, no, because of the event of you've got to just suddenly take over. You've still got to be kind of alert and aware. We can't just, hey, I'm climbing in and, you know, instantly fall asleep. That's yeah. not the point. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that'd be the upside of the pod world, but we're not we're not there as close as we think we are. Steven Schwartz has an interesting question on Facebook, and I want to see if I can unpack this quickly. He says, what weather or part of the country cutoff where you would recommend definitely getting all-wheel drive in addition to winter tires? Hmm. When is it necessary? Oh, uh, Stephen, I would say it actually isn't about where are you in the country. Like, I can't pick a latitude line. It's about what does your life look like and what does your area look like. I'll give you two examples. We have had in the same week people write in from two different places in Canada. Oh, I'm buried in snow and nobody can get to me, and and I but yet I drive all over the place because of my fill in the blank four by four whatever. And then the other person writing going, it's pretty mild here. Mm-hmm. It's the middle of the sure. winter. You guys in Utah are getting more snow than we are. Both writing from Canada. 
Amazing. If I'm picking a latitude line, you'd think Canada would be required, okay? <laughs> so the other thing is there's parts of the East Coast that get a ton of ice. Yeah, true. We don't get that much ice. We get a ton of snow. We don't get very much ice. And also, I think about me personally. I have a Lotus Elise before that, but let, let me go to just winter cars. I had an FRS. Yeah, right. Full rear-wheel drive, orange FRS that I drove through a couple of nasty Utah winters on Blizzax, and it was fantastic. Yeah. But so, so cool. I live where my driveway is flat. Yeah. I don't get ice. I mean, too much ice to get the Lotus out. But, but the point is, I don't get ice. I have a straight, flat driveway, mostly straight, flat driveway. And, I, and then there's I-80, and I go up over a mountain pass. And all the driving I did, I was never on terrible hills, especially not terrible hills that were iced hills. But there is a neighborhood 1,000 feet higher than mm-hmm. where I live. Mm-hmm. And the roads are only a lane and a half wide, they're stuck to the side of the mountain. They're very twisty. And most people's driveways are a severe angle up to their garage. Yeah. yeah. I probably would have never bought the FRS if I had lived there. Good point. So, Good Stephen, point. I think the, the better question is, what kind of conditions do you have and does it require you to have 4x4 four four or all-wheel drive versus just winter tires? I've, I mean, we've been killed by snow as everybody has this year. I've been enjoying the Lancer with all-wheel drive. I mean, it doesn't matter. I can, get through, I can get through that. Sure, why not? Sure, yeah. But at the same time, if we get a ton of snow, I bring out the Cayenne because it's got better ground clearance. <laughs> so you have to think <laughs> yeah, about all these yeah. things. It's much more your situation for driving than it is your place in the country. I do admit to giggling at some of the neighbors because, you know, I bought my house for the flat driveway. I yeah. wanted a flat driveway. You've yeah, probably yeah. seen it on Instagram photos. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> I've seen snow plows slide down the driveway of the, the steep, curving driveways. I'm thinking, yeah. what? Seemed like a good idea you know, at the time. April through November is probably when you bought that house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but right now, yeah. Should have had a heated driveway. Yeah. You're, you're not liking yourself. That's not true. Not as happy. All right. Uh, Wheelman GT on Instagram. What top three unreleased cars would we like to drive this year? Ooh. Do I have to limit it to three? I got the, that's the question. Corvette C8, Ford Bronco, Porsche 718 Cayman GT4, Porsche Taycan, Shelby GT500. Shall I go on? More than three, but bravo. Bravo. <laughs> uh, quick one. Joe Carr, he said he has Amazon Prime Video, and he's looking for the show and can't find it on Motor Trend. Hmm. You need to search just Everyday Driver. Do not search under Motor Trend. Don't look under the Motor Trend channel. You're on Amazon Prime. Just search Everyday Driver. You should see three seasons come up. And somebody actually told us this week they were watching Grand Tour, and when Grand Tour ended, it preloaded one of our episodes, which I loved here. Oh, that, cool. Which is very cool. But just search Everyday Driver. You should find it there, Joe. All right. Uh, DRVR Mod. Ask what current production four- and six-cylinder engine notes have we found to be the most pleasing behind the wheel? Hmm. We already all know we're all about the GT350R for the eight-cylinder, so we got the V8 covered. You've heard that, huh? Oh, good. Thanks for listening, yeah. The car that I just recommended for Luke, the Alpha Quadrifolio. Mm. Luscious. It's a great V6, yeah. Gorge. Four-cylinder, I'm going to stay in the Ford Focus RS somewhere in there. Okay. Snorty, hatchy. Hatchy and handling. Snorty, yeah. hatchy, like itchy. Yeah, somewhere yeah, there. You there. Go. Like that. That's good. Like that. Uh, Mystic Negro has a question where he says, uh, has a car ever straight terrified you? <laughs> what was it? What was the situation? <laughs> hmm. um, I'll tell you one that terrified me, honestly. If you watch our California piece, end of season three, we drive a Z06 in California. That car, we <laughs> picked it up at the airport in San Jose. Oh, yeah, right. In a rainstorm. And we looked at the back tires to discover that the back tires, which are those kind of back tires that are barely, barely wet rated to begin with, yeah, new. Were, were past the wear bars. 
And I don't remember the drawing of straws, but I was the one driving this car the nearly two hours to our location in the dark, in the rain, so that we could shoot the next day. That is the most careful stepping I've ever done behind the wheel. Mm. Because every little place there was a puddle, I was hydroplaning on all of them. And I just thought, you know what? Let's just get. Let's just get to the hotel. <laughs> Nobody has to speed. We don't have to go super quick. I've got a lot of horsepower. I have no grip, and it's raining. Let's just arrive. There's a bird. There's a fish. There's a tree. Don't die. Seriously. It's Let's just, just get there alive. It was just, I need to arrive. And at one point, I actually had been trying to connect with my parents. Did you need to catch up call as you do as an adult, right? So actually, for one section, I'm in that car on the phone with them. Oh, my God. And sliding at every little turn, you know, and, and, and doing okay with it. And then at one point, like, the rain got worse, and I hit a couple puddles, and I said, hang on a minute. And I was they, – they had to be more terrified than me because I was just silent for, like, 30 seconds. Oh, man. Because it was the water coming from the other side and all the rain, and I was just I, – I just – I needed the rain needs to be right here and nowhere else. And then, at like, 30 seconds later, I was like, all right, guys, I'm through that section. Oh, and man. I could almost hear my mom coming back like – are, are, are you okay? You know, who knows what was going through her mind. So that's the time for sure. Oh, man. I'm just hearing Seinfeld's don't die, don't die, don't totally. die. I hear you. <laughs> All right. Uh, question here from our friend Hayden H. He's asking, since we're in the snowmageddon, how long do we wait after snow to wash the car? Do we wait until it's all melted or do we wait until most of it's melted because of the magnesium chloride that gets kicked up? Plus, we have the salt mm-hmm. and the cars. Oh, yeah. The expedition is an absolute mess right now, mm-hmm. but I have to deal with it because we're supposed to get another snowstorm oh, yeah. in two days in from the now. Next five minutes, yeah. So I, I'm just right now, I'm kind of just gritting my teeth and hanging on because for me to break out all the car wash equipment right now. <laughs> The water in the driveway will make a skating rink. It's a thing for you, yeah. And then if I take it to the just the touchless car wash, that's ten bucks. So I, I usually and it's not going to do a good enough job at this time of year. Yeah. Okay, so here's my answer: If we have a week of sunshine on the weather app, I'll go wash the car. If I know we've got a full week, week and a half sunshine, no real big storms coming in, I'll go wash. I'll sometimes take a layer off, even between, just just in the gap between the storms. Sometimes just to get the bottom. I mean, power washed. This is the expedition, not the Cayman. I understand. No, the Cayman. If is, I get a yeah. bug, it's you know full yeah, wash, totally it's dirty, <laughs> full wash. Sean Clark said most cars look better in their coupe form than sedan. Can we think of any cars that we believe look better as sedan than coupe? M3. E92 oh, M3 yeah, coupe. Good. I like the E90 four-door. I prefer. I'm with you on that. What about the Mercedes CLS? The first gen when it came out. Very okay. striking, very different. Yeah. Four door. It has has a coupe roof line. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just, you know, painted on the door. <laughs> okay. I liked that car. I, I still kind of like it, but I actually like what the new Mercedes GT, the AMG GT four door has done. That's a surprising one. I yeah. like how that looks. Yeah. The four the, the must pardon me. The Mercedes The GT. Mustang four door. Yeah, the what? Well, let's not do that. It's been discussed, but let's not do that. The Mercedes <laughs> GT is a very cool nine eleven alternative. I can't believe they made a four door because I think in their product line they've made the SLS irrelevant. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time it is a very, very cool much cooler looking than I expected it to be. I will take you there. I mean, it's close to 200 grand and I'm hearing yeah. great things about it. Of course, it's close to 200 grand. Yeah, it better, it better be great. You yeah. know, Panamera Sport Turismos exist. Yes, Just well, saying. also way too expensive, but there it is. Well, or Ferrari FFs if you're bored. You know, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I can't wait till Ferrari comes out with an SUV. What? They're going to sell the daylights out Called of them the too. SUV. The SUV. The Ferrari SUV. It's they coming, shouldn't even you know. name it. They should just call it the SUV. 
All right. I've got another question. One last one for me here from Ryan H. Asks, have American car companies officially lost their collective minds or are we, <laughs> we, the collective we, the royal we, the people to blame? Big three killing off cars in general. Ford building the new 7.3 liter V8 in Windsor, Ontario. <laughs> On and on. I mean, I think mainly you're kind of ranting against, we only get the Corvette, the Camaro, and the Mustang anymore, and SUVs for the rest of us. Yeah. SUVs for the rest of us. Can they grow out of the dinosaur way of thinking and beginning adopting alternative fuels and designs and technologies, begin paving the way for the future of the industry? By the way, Ford already has a director, VP of Autonomous Vehicles. Mm, good. There is a person employed in this role. And he believes his future-proof safe. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They already are thinking about it. We don't know. We're not privy to the product plans. Yeah, but true. for true. the next big leap for them to go that far, it takes now. Mm-hmm. And they're they're going to tow in the pool. They're going to test the waters with the, we're taking all your cars away. Here's a nice giant SUV that's supposed to handle like a car, but yeah. it doesn't really. They're going to c- continue to kind of test that out on the public before they roll out their big plans as a mobility company. Yeah. Well, but I also think we've talked about it before. That whole mobility company shift where we're all in autonomous pods keeps getting discussed like, guess what? It's coming in 2022. No, it's not. <laughs> Just so you know, it's it's a little ways out yet, folks. Don't Don't worry about somebody taking your keys. It's going to be a bit. Oh, man. Uh, and your follow-up question was so good. Is there a tiny bit of conspiracy between the awful, pathetic design language behind 98% of electric and hybrid vehicles? Or is it a coincidence that the design teams with no talent or imagination are <laughs> awarded these jobs? You guys are confused, but wow. we put money in electric car. That Somebody's ranting in the question section. I'm, I'm <laughs> no impressed. No kidding. I actually know quite a few of these people, Ryan. And no, they are all very talented. It, it's a uh, a collective effort on the part of the car company to meet the marketing brief and the you know, the people that make it, the designer is actually the, the wrangler in between. He's mm-hmm. keeping legal and marketing happy. He's keeping the, yeah, the top yeah, brass yeah. and the executives happy. And that person is, you know, just talking to the engineering team. And by the way, the people that make it, wherever that car is built, they just want it to be easy to make. Could we just make yeah. something easy to make? Yeah. Well, that's they are the, th- the person in between wrangling yeah. everything. We want to think of the designer as the car is going to look like this. But the designer, you're right. The designer is trying to make it adhere to everyone else in the process. Plus the marketing brief. Yes. Best of luck. Yeah. And in the process, they might come out with a potato or two. So we have to, <laughs> you know, we're getting better. We're getting better. People are discovering that indeed giant gaping grills are not necessary. BMW 7 Series. <clears throat> well, you know. And X7 uh, yeah. cheese graters look <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank you guys a million for your questions. Really appreciate it. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.